In conclusion, this book, while excellent in its analysis overall, is to bring together the theories and methods of two different fields of study, social history, detailed enough so that more seasoned researchers will find I'm Robert Castanello. I'm the Vice President of Research and Publications at HNET, and this is the Art of the Review podcast. I'm Yelena Kalinsky, Managing Editor of HNET Reviews. And this is a podcast where we examine reviewing and criticism as an academic form. This podcast is brought to you by HNET and the University of Central Florida's Center for Humanities and Digital Research. Welcome to the Art of the Review podcast. In this episode of the Art of the Review, we are going to be again exploring professionalism, but we're going to look at a specific review in the second part of this segment. And what we wanted to do with this episode, really, is to explore the ways in which an entity, whether that be a review editor or an editorial board or some um, such person in charge of review, might interpret the um, standards of professionalism. So this idea of professionalism raises this concern of who is the um, person or the... um, body in charge of determining when someone violates a standard of professionalism because, you know, we can say do not do anything that might invoke um, a lawsuit or invoke libel or invoke, um, you know, mean-spiritedness, but someone has to interpret that. It's not really kind of well-defined in any standards at hand. And um, Yelena, the, the reason that we kind of wanted to talk about this was because you had a specific experience with an HNET network concerning the process by which they adjudicated a question of professionalism. Yeah, that's right, Robert. So um, this is kind of an interesting case. Um, This is on the HEmpire network. I heard about it from the review editor, Charles Reed, over there. Um, They had had a reviewer publish a fairly negative review of Elizabeth Cobbs Hoffman's American Umpire, which is a book that makes the claim that American foreign policy acts more like an umpire than an empire. And the reviewer, Greg French, really criticized her for that. And uh, uh, I don't think he used the term whitewashing, but it it was a quite negative review. And uh, Charles Reed, the review editor's uh, question, was really about the author response to that review. Uh, Cobbs Hoffman wrote a a fairly strongly worded response, and uh, Charles had a question about whether this stood up to standards of professionalism. And if you remember from our last episode, um, the HNET standards for professionalism cite that that criticism should be in courteous, temperate, and constructive terms. And the question here really is one open to interpretation. So what I wanted to highlight was that um, Charles went to his network's advisory board and sent them the author response and uh, was able to confer with them and use their judgment to uh, help him make an editorial decision about whether to publish or not. And he ended up coming back to the author and asking her to pull it back a little bit. The response was eventually published on the H Empire Network. And if you read the two together, it's actually very informative. It is a debate on historical terms uh, about whether or not American settler colonialism and expansion uh, was 
imperial or was based on democratic principles. And I think that 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 would be useful in the classroom. Uh, It's very interesting to readers. And I think that it's a successful best practice where the tone could have gone beyond the line, but there was kind of an editorial decision made. So I kind of wanted to highlight that as another kind of mechanism for editors and for reviewers to navigate their way through the professionalism standard. Right. So, th- I mean, this is this is a really great example that, that you brought up to us, because here we have a, a review editor, Charles Reed, who, you know, reads the standards and interprets them for himself. But, you know, and I, I guess this is, you know, where we should heap praise on Charles, because, you know, he says to himself, well, you know, let me get some feedback on this. And he goes to the advisory board who works in an editorial capacity for the network. And he's able to kind of share his thoughts and gets a check on his um, impulse to, um, you know, interpret whether there is potentially a violation of professionalism in the response to this review or not. And so in this case, you know, the process really sort of worked well, um, at least, you know, what what H. Empire set up for an, you know, an editorial review process. Yeah, that's right. And um, we can contrast this with another review that was published on a different network that I think maybe pushes uh, beyond what is a standard of professionalism, but really is still open for debate. So maybe we can transition and talk about that review. That was a review of Wolfgang Benz's The Holocaust, A German Historian Examines the Genocide. This was a review written by John P. Fox, and it was published quite a long time ago in uh, 1999 on the H. Holocaust Network. And I want to bring it up because it really is an interesting example to look at. So maybe can you tell us a little bit about it, Robert? Sure. I mean, it came to my intention because some, someone had read it and flagged it for me, um, I think, early on when I became the vice president of research and publications at H. And they said, hey, don't you think this, this review really crosses the line? And I read it and I said, you know, yeah, there, you know, there's some problems here. I said, but, you know, of course, it was published in 1999. And the person who flagged it for me just asked me, say, well, you know, why don't you bring it up to the advisory board and just see what they think about it? You know, maybe um, there might be a way to, you know, to tone this down a little bit. Because there was some concern about whether it did indeed cross the line or not, you know. And so I went to the review editor of H. Holocaust and I went to the advisory board of H. Holocaust and I I approached them and said, hey, you know, what do you think of this review? Do you think it crosses the line? Is it something that um, H. Holocaust wants want to take a look at and, you know, and, and possibly um, have some editorial revisions to it? Because at, at the time that it was given to me, John Fox had passed away. So it wasn't like we could go to the um, reviewer in question and say, do you mind changing this? Because he was deceased. And so it would have to be something that was done at H. Holocaust through the advisory board and the editors there. And the advisory board and the editors there deliberated. You know, I, I saw the deliberation. They, they spoke in, you know, in terms about what professionalism means and what's here. And I think they all sort of agreed that, um, and again, we don't know what the discussion was for H. Empire, so I don't want to compare it, but what, um, the people at, at H. Holocaust believed was that this represented the tone and um, the 
sort of typical review for John Fox. Apparently he was well known for writing very kind of um, biting reviews, <laughs> and it was sort of his style. And they thought that if he were alive, that he would have no problem with this review, and thus they did not have a problem with it, since he was a big name in the field and everything like this. And so, you know, we agreed not to do anything about the um, specific review, but again, it's sort of an eye of the beholder thing. So, you know, someone came to me with a concern. I represented that concern to the editors and the advisory board, you know, and they came back and deliberated. So, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I can't say that I was necessarily disappointed in the process because I felt that there was a genuine discussion and deliberation that went on. It wasn't just kind of dismissed out of hand. So I appreciate it on that level. Um, however, if it were me, and, and I don't think I need to make this a secret, but I think the review sort of crosses a, a professional line in some extent. So you know, what were your thoughts about this review? Yeah, I thought there were some real telltale signs here. Fox uses terms like disgrace, uh, ridiculous. He talks about how the person who wrote the foreword, you know, really had no business writing this foreword. He foregrounds a lot of immaterial, you know, minor points like uh, some mis misprints of, of date, and uh, he has a problem with, you know, the copy editing of the book. Um, but he really doesn't doesn't make his argument uh, really clearly understood until the very end of the review. And so I think that that there's there's really I mean it's not just tone it's also the structure of the mm -hmm. review. And to me it sort of reads like in all of these incidents and and I agree with everything that you're saying Elena. But to me, the tone is sort of with each of these transgressions that he identifies. It's not just that they're transgressions, but they're the absolute worst thing anybody can do in a book. It's almost like he's writing in such an extreme rhetoric, you know, that I don't know how successful this review is <laughs> communicating because it kind of makes you think, well, you know, how can this just be the worst of everything? Yeah, he says, you know, he pities the uninformed student who might, you know, have the misfortune of, coming upon this book without proper guidance because there's really no historical value here whatsoever, which right. I think is a, a pretty yeah. extreme statement. <laughs> right. I think, yeah, all the, all the criticism is in the superlative here, Yeah. You know, which I think is a flag. I mean, if you're, if, you know, me reading this again, when I read this because it was brought to my attention, you know, I immediately thought, oh my God, what, you know, what is this? Just because of the tone that it was written, it really kind of raises, raises flags. But we both, talked about this review at length, and, and we, we felt that, you know, we couldn't really give a comprehensive um, review of the review in question here because, you know, it, it was sort of written sort of in, inside baseball kind of way, right? Yeah, the ending, I mean, you can kind of tell that he's got a beef with some of the rhetoric of the book, and he, he kind of cites it there in the end about the idea of the Holocaust as a unique crime and whether or not the Holocaust is... Uh, you know, about Jews and Nazis, or if it also involved, you know, the Roma. And, and I mean, lots of, of real fine historical points that he refuses to actually go into. He says that this is not the place or the space in which to, you know, go into all that. But this really clearly seems like uh, uh, something he could, he could have addressed more directly. Right, right. And so we felt, I think, you know, in going back and forth on this review, we thought, well, maybe we should speak with someone who's an expert in the field, right? Because there was, there were things, there were passages and, and statements in here that you and I both, we just couldn't make heads or tails of, right? That's true. And I think it's also important to remember that in different fields, 
there is a different uh, culture about how much criticism, how pitched the tone might be. And I think that in Holocaust studies, perhaps emotions are running high. So, so why don't we listen to this interview um, that you did with your colleague Vladimir Solinari about this review? Well, what I want to establish first, uh, Vladimir Solinari, he's, a, he's a, a colleague of mine here at the University of Central Florida. He teaches European history. He wrote a book on um, the impact of the Holocaust in Romania during World War II. And so I wanted to establish his credentials with this. So I sort of asked him, you know, who he was and, you know, what was the nature of his research. So, you know, he's coming at this review as an insider as opposed to the two of us who are outsiders. Uh, my name is Vladimir Solnari. I'm associate professor at the uh, Department of History, University of Central Florida, and I'm the author of the book Purifying, uh, Purifying the Nation, Population Exchange and Ethnic Cleansing in Nazi-Allied Romania. This is the book which is, focuses on the policies of the Romanian government aimed at creating um, what they called the ethnically homogeneous state at the end of World War II. Uh, the primary um, uh, victims of uh, uh, this policy were Jews and Roma people, but uh, the policy was aimed uh, basically at all minorities in the Romania. So um, that's my primary area of expertise. Uh, yeah, so Robert, when you spoke to Vladimir, he mentioned that research on the Holocaust is often understood in a political context, not only in terms of scholarly theories, but also in relation to uh, the state of Israel and its internal international relations, the so-called Zionist lobby, and that, that this context can provoke reviewers to strong feelings. Yeah, and, and again, I think this gets at the heart of what we didn't understand reading the view, coming at it as outsiders. And so uh, Vladimir is able to kind of explain here the nuance in you know the accusations of the political context here, both in relation to the theoretical framework that um, Benz was operating under, but also uh, the potential political implications of that. Yes, that's that's a, a very um, wide-ranging, uh, long-lasting, uh, serious, and emotional charge debate in the field. Uh, of whether the notion of the uniqueness of the Holocaust is um, uh, something which uh, is adequately describing um, the um, place of the Holocaust in the uh, history of crimes against humanity in the modern era, especially or whether um, other uh, terms should be used to emphasize its particularity uh, other people say um, uh, exactly particularity of the use or use other terms to basically describe similar ideas. And um, this debate uh, seems to be a very passionate because it spills over in uh, the perception that the memory of the Holocaust is exploited by the political ends for those whom uh, the critics of uh, this practice called Dionysus Lobby. And uh, um, uh, I think that uh, uh, some of uh, uh, the angry tone uh, which transpires in this review is attributable to uh, the uh, strong position that the author of the review takes on uh, this particular uh, debate 
and um, he feels strongly about the political usages of the memory of the Holocaust. But Robert, despite these, uh, this political context, Vladimir was critical of the tone of Fox's review. Yeah, I think this is the case where, um, you know, the two of us and Vladimir sort of agree that there was this tone to the review that really sort of was, you know, at the very least inappropriate. Um, whether it's professional or not, again, we deliberate on these issues and these definitions, but I think we all agree that it's sort of inappropriate. And I think at the end of the day, you know, Vladimir and I specifically had this discussion after the recording was over, unfortunately. But, you know, we talked about whether, you know, this specific reviewer, Fox, whether he achieved his goal, you know, because his tone was so over the top, you know, did he achieve what he wanted, what he set out to do, or does the tone sort of distract from the overall argument in some way, shape, or form? So we were kind of questioning that. And I think for reviewers who might be so inclined to sort of raise the tone of the review, you know, they might want to think about that and think about whether they should um, write something that might distract from the overall argument. It, you know, it creates a fervor that has nothing to do with the uh, thesis of the review. I think the review was angry, and I think the reviewer was overdoing his case. Some of his criticism seemed to be overdetermined, like the language he uses doesn't really, is not proportionate to um, the actual criticisms uh, he formulates in, in this review. Uh, so in this sense, um, review seems to be over the board, so to say. So where did Vladimir come down on this review in the end? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Vladimir is, I guess, conceives himself as sort of very lib liberal in terms of uh, speech, you know, I, would, I would guess. And so he would hesitate to, um, to curb someone's right to say something, even if that something they say makes the author, or in this case the reviewer, look, look bad, look poor. Um, this uh, really is a definition, professional, unprofessional, which I would eschew using because I am afraid that um, uh, such kind of definitions might have uh, serious unintended consequences. For example, if we define this uh, review as unprofessional, what does it mean? That uh, the editor should have refused publishing it? I think it would uh, go too far. Ultimately, uh, people make mistakes, sometimes mistakes uh, which uh, actually are very substantive, sometimes more of uh, a stylistic nature, and we should allow that. All of us are um, human beings with our emotions. Um, so even if you disagree with review, and um, I understand that the author of the book uh, uh, surely was heard, uh, they still, um, the reviews should be allowed to be different and the reviewers uh, should feel free to express their thoughts if, of course, they do not libel, um, defame, um, uh, and uh, late, actually um, uh, try to accuse 
if they do not accuse uh, the uh, book author of uh, something that they are not actually guilty in, the rest they should be allowed ev to use even the language which is not um, particularly polite. I have to admit that although I do think that this is an unprofessional review, uh, Vladimir has me convinced that we can't pull down this review simply because the reviewer has stuck his tongue out <laughs> at the author. And I think that this is an important moment to think about what important role the review editor plays in ushering the review through to publication. Because before the review is published, the review editor does have a say and a role in trying to temper a reviewer in, in trying to kind of prod them to be courteous and temperate and constructive and to fulfill the standards of professionalism. But we should note that once a review is published, um, these standards are not guidelines for pulling the review down. So HNET has very specific guidelines for what constitutes taking something out of the archive of HNET. And that's a much narrower definition. We will link to the H Empire and H Holocaust reviews featured in this episode on the show notes blog at H Podcast. Please find us there and share your thoughts.